Welcome to the Environmental Leadership Chronicles, a podcast brought to you by the California Association of Environmental Professionals. This episode is a feature in our CEQA series. Our host, Connie Dobriva, speaks with guest Tim Hale, the Executive Director at Contra Costa Transportation Authority, and Megan Macias, who is Director of Technical Services at EPD Solutions. Connie, Megan, and Tim discuss the impacts of SB 743 on VMT mitigation and TDM programs designed to reduce emissions, urban sprawl, and promote the use of alternative transportation. Join Tim, Megan, and Connie as they discuss the challenges and strategies surrounding VMT mitigation and its impact on transportation planning and development in California. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Connie DeBreva. I'm the Executive uh, Vice President of AEP, and I'm also um, an Environmental Planner with EPD Solutions, and my pronouns are she, her. Uh, with us today, we have Megan Macias, who is um, the Director of Transportation Planning and a Traffic Engineer at EPD Solutions. And we have Tim Hale, who is an Executive Director with the Contra Costa Transportation Authority. Welcome, Tim and Megan. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate being part of the podcast today. It's great to have you. Um, as we jump on, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your career in environmental planning, how you got into it, a little bit about your background and how you're associated with AEP? Uh, Tim, yeah, let's thank with you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, my background, I started um, in 2000, uh, 2000, actually, no, 1997. I started working my career at Caltrans in 1997 as a as a design engineer. Um, I have a, I'm a civil engineer uh, background, uh, graduated from Cal Poly Pomona. And my experience has got a mix of both private sector and public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for Caltrans for six years. And then I went to the private sector, worked for a, a medium-sized firm called RBF um, mm-hmm. in 2003. And then they were, you know, purchased and uh, transferred to Michael Baker in the like 2011, 2012. And, and I had my career there um, as basically a, you know, project engineer, project manager. Um, I also was the Inland Empire regional manager, as well as the national managed lanes practice leader. And then in 2017, I had a, a great opportunity to move my family to Northern California. Um, I grew up, grew up and and had most of my career in Southern California, and and moved to Northern California in 2017 to come work at Contra Costa Transportation Authority. Mm-hmm. And Contra Costa Transportation Authority is is one of uh, 24 self help counties uh, in California. Uh, we collect a one half percent. Uh, sales tax here in Contra Costa County for uh, about a $2.7 billion suite of projects and programs. And we've delivered about $10 billion uh, in uh, projects over the last, I'm sorry, we've delivered $5.6 billion over the last 10 years um, in capital projects. And I think one of the signature things that I think CCTA is known for is our innovation. Uh, we are really known to be forward thinking and um, and really embracing new technologies, you know, in transportation. We actually own and operate one of the largest secured autonomous vehicle testing facilities okay. in the country called Gomentum Station. Um, it's in the city of Concord and the Concord Naval Weapons Station. And we've been doing that since 2014. And we recently have delivered some very cool projects. Um, just in April of this year, we launched our Presto uh, kind of uh, 
emerging mobility brand, if you will. It's a shared autonomous vehicle that's available to the public. It was the first uh, autonomous shared vehicle, no steering wheel, no brake pedal, available to the public in the Bay Area. Um, and so it's it operates Monday through Friday. So all of you listening, you can go down to San Ramon, California, and take a joy ride on an autonomous vehicle if you want. Um, Amazing. And so, uh, and we have we have other projects that will be, uh, other autonomous vehicle projects that will be deploying uh, in the next couple months. Actually, so we have another project we'll be deploying in Rossmore, which is a senior community center. We have another project in the city of Martinez. Um, and that'll be for our county hospital. And then we just announced yesterday our new partnership with uh, East Contra Costa County Partners, which is a public-private partnership with uh, Plenary, Glideways, and Flatiron on a 28-mile closed autonomous vehicle network connecting four cities together in Eastern Contra Costa County. Um, and so, yeah, so that I think we're really known for innovation. And I think the the automated driving system projects that I mentioned, Bishop Ranch, uh, Rossmore, Martinez, that is actually all part of our Innovate 680 program, which I think we're going to get way more into today as part of this podcast. It's hey, a long introduction, I apologize. No, no, not at all. We look forward <laughs> to learning about Innovate 680. And Megan, tell us a little bit about your background and how you're associated with AEP. Sure. Thanks, Connie. Um, well, I I actually in school um, intended to go into environmental policy, and and I think I thought I was going to be a CEQA planner, um, but I started my career as an intern at Orange County Transportation Authority, and then my first job out of school was at Caltrans, um, and I and I learned pretty quickly that I um, I really do enjoy development, <laughs> and so I, I I fairly quickly switched back to being in the private sector and. Uh, working for um, environmental consulting firm, but on the transportation side, and I think I discovered a I discovered a career I didn't know existed when I was in college, and that is being a transportation planner, but really more like an like a transportation analyst, the the traffic engineer position, um, preparing traffic impact studies. So um, early in my career, I did work on some of the infrastructure projects um, and those types of projects, but like I said, kind of discovered, rediscovered that love of do, of working on development. So that is really my background over the last couple of decades. Um, and, and Connie, you know, gives me kind of, always gives me kudos for, for being a transportation planner that also knows CEQA. But I have to tell the story that, you know, at a different firm, they put me in charge of preparing a small MND. And, and I was so frustrated real, realizing I just don't really care whether it's 0. 0.4, 0. 0.8 acres of wetlands, um, <laughs> reinforced, <laughs> reinforced that I, I really do like working on the transportation issues. Um, so that's, that's been my career for the last 20 or so years. So I think it'll be, it'll be fun today to get a kind of a different perspective, um, between Tim and myself on, on, um, SB 743 and implementation of EMT. Cause I think we're coming from opposite sides of yeah. the, of the legislation. Um, how am I involved in, in, uh, AEP, um, I actually was the, when I was at UCI getting my, um, my master's degree in planning, I was the chapter student representative at UCI. And, um, and then I did serve on the board for a couple of years after I graduated, um, took a break for a while until I ran back into Connie six or seven years ago, maybe actually maybe a little longer than that. And then she wrote me back in. So I've been on the local board for the last, oh, I'm going to guess maybe seven years. And I'm currently the, um, the chapter treasurer for the Orange County chapter. So yes, 
Yeah, I guess I forgot the how I was connected to AEP. I didn't answer that part of the question, but um, yeah, I think I've always been aware of AEP. It's been it's a fantastic organization with a lot of great resources. Uh, definitely, when you're trying to deliver projects, I think um, just you know recently got re reconnected. I think with AEP, just you know through this podcast, um, and I think also as just you know a, a fun plug, but. Uh, I actually have my own podcast. It's called uh, On the Patio Podcast, and you can search for it wherever you're getting your podcast. But you know, I talk about transportation, and I'm excited to, that we'll be able to able to kind of co-share or co co-produce uh, this podcast in both AEP as well as on the Patio Podcast. So, um, so excited to do that, and and that's that's how I've kind of gotten reconnected here to AEP. That's great. So speaking of SB 743 and um, innovation in transportation planning, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, Contra Costa County and some of the VMT uh, processes, mitigation measures, guidelines that we talked about a little bit earlier? Yeah, so Innovate 680 and, and SB 743, right? So, so SB 743 um, was actually passed in in legislation back in you know 2013. And, and Megan, you can help me like fill in the gaps here if you like. Um, but it was basically kind of relooking at a whole nother approach in terms of really measuring impacts, you know, of projects, both development, transportation. You know any project that would be considered you know actionable under CEQA, and and so it was really up to up, up to that point. Um, you know transportation and, and and impacts were measured by level of service, which was primarily you know delay, right? And in, in in terms of you know travel time as well as density, you know those types of things, and it didn't necessarily kind of capture, I'll say the the, the multimodal impacts, you know, of the transportation system and development. And so I think that's why in, in like I said, in 2013, uh, Senate Bill 743 was passed in legislation, which required um, or introduced uh, uh, vehicle miles traveled as a way to measure projects. And what's interesting about the legislation is that it's still up to the project lead um, to define or how you're going to measure transportation impact. So you can still use level of service if you would like. Um, but I think given the direction of, of this new way of measuring, I, I believe, and I know at least most of the project sponsors in Contra Costa County, if not the state, have been kind of shifting gears and measuring both level of service as well as vehicle miles traveled. Um, and I guess now coming at it through a transportation lens, um, you know, Caltrans, they uh, developed their own implementation guidelines, um, you know, so they have their, their transportation analysis uh, framework, as well as um, the, the transportation um, analysis for CEQA, I believe. And so there's there's two different guidelines in terms of how you're measuring in your traffic analyses and then how you're addressing it, you know, through CEQA. And that implementation, I believe, was then put into place, I believe, in July 1st of 2020, I believe. Um, I, I might be off by one or two years there. And so, and that required, um, and from, the, from that standpoint, that vantage point, 
Caltrans basically said, we're measuring all our traffic traffic impacts by VMT, right? So they made that decision for any project that would be done on the state highway system. And then, and then they basically said that, that if you do induce VMT as part of your project, you actually have to mitigate it down to zero, right? And so, and that's that's really the big change in a in a Caltrans state highway improvement project. Um, when the project is not on the Caltrans state highway system, then the the sponsoring lead agency can determine you know what those thresholds are. You know, so for example, uh, CCTA, if we're doing a project off the state highway system, we essentially require our our partners. Um, through our growth management program that we have with all of our local agency partners to um, at least aim to reduce VMT um, by 15% uh, in their projects. And so and so if we're doing like a local improvement project or something like that or a development project, we do require a reduction in VMT by 15%, not all the way down to zero, you know, and so like like Caltrans does. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of the approach. I don't know, Megan, did I leave anything out? But I think that's generally kind of what SB 743 is and kind of the purpose of 743. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. I would say more on a, on a development side, when we're looking at individual projects, it's, it's slightly different only in that we're looking at more of an efficiency metric. So it's usually per person or per employee um, that we're looking at instead of looking at total VMT. Um, and sometimes that makes it challenging because we get comments like, well, what about truck traffic VMT, which is technically not required to be analyzed if we were, if we have, for example, like an industrial project. Um, but I, I do think um, when, one other thing to note just about the legislation was that they they did name, um, you know, three goals of the new metric. The, so the legislation said, you know, the um, CEQA should have a new metric and those goals um, should promote the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. They should uh, promote the development of multimodal transportation networks and promote the diversity of land uses. So in terms of um, creating uh, thresholds and metrics, um, there has been, I've seen some agencies which have gone with like a greenhouse gas threshold because they're saying, well, if the purpose of this is to promote the reduction of greenhouse gases, then maybe we should also tie this to our greenhouse gas thresholds. And I've seen other agencies that have said, yes, but then that really doesn't address the other two uses, which is multimodal transportation networks and diversity of land uses. Um, So there's been kind of a, just depending upon which local agency you're in, how it is um, how it's implemented. I know I've had this discussion with other consultants where they've said, oh yeah, we're using, um, you know, electric vehicle charging as a VMT reduction. And I'm saying, well, but you're not technically reducing VMT when you are promoting electric vehicles, like you're still driving a car. And I say, oh yeah, but the agencies are letting us do it because um, we're promoting greenhouse gas reductions. So I think it's still a little bit of a wild west in terms of how, um, how particular local agencies are are implementing it in terms of um, development projects, um, but it is it's it's still it's very interesting to watch and it's still in flux, um, at least from that perspective. Yeah, I would I would agree with that absolutely, and I think that I did, I forgot to mention that, but yeah, I think the you know the three goals I think were really important in terms of you know really doing doing a better job of kind of connecting transportation with land use and diversifying land use 
Um, I mean, because there's that ne- obviously that nexus there. And then, you know, focusing on making the transportation more multimodal and making it, you know, focusing on mode shift, right? And I think that's that's the big, I think the big thing I that VMT I think helps promote is, you know, this whole concept of, you know, we're never going to build ourselves out of congestion, right? And so so I think we have to think about, you know, other strategies, other ways to really improve and ease congestion on our highways, you know, and so as we look towards the future, you know, there's obviously very important, very critical uh, highway widening and roadway improvement types of projects that I think should be done. Um, and but I think on the flip side, there's definitely certain corridors, you know, corridors like in L.A. and certainly corridors here in San Francisco Bay Area and also right here in Contra Costa County. Um, you know, for example, our core, our 680 corridor um is a corridor where we will not widen that roadway it's at its maximum kind mm-hmm. of capacity it's it's you know it's it's basically uh you know eight lanes it's got an express lane in the meet in the median which is a a way to manage and provide reliability in the corridor which is one of a an older but newer strategy uh to the high to the transportation uh network and but you know we don't have good reliable transit in that corridor you know, and so so our goal is to really promote mode shift in that corridor and with hopefully by achieving a goal of, you know, 10 percent mode shift, you know, that would help ease congestion, you know, in that corridor during peak periods. And, you know, I think we all saw the effects of the pandemic in terms of traffic and congestion. And I mean, that's the goal, right? The goal is to have mode shift, whether that have people working from home or have people, you know, use mass transit or transit and buses. I mean, that's the real goal here. And I think that, I think a big part of, of you know, implementation of SB 743 is going to be, you know, coming up with those strategies, you know, to uh, to promote those, those different, that multimodal transportation system. Um, and we're doing that um, through Innovate 680, you know, and so, um, and happy to talk more about that, you know. Yeah, that was actually my next question. You know, what what are some of those ways, right? In those, with having congested highways, and my next question was, what are some of those ways in which you're promoting that with Innovate 680, and and how successful has CCTA been, right? What's the biggest success that you've seen so far in terms of reducing vehicle miles traveled? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, reducing VMT is, you know, it's, I would say it's an old concept, but kind of a new concept because it's being implemented and somewhat being, you know, measured at this point. But but Innovate 680, we were developing this strategy even before the, the implementation of SB 743. I mean, you know, back in 2017, you know, we came up with seven strategies for this corridor. You know, we, we knew we had to... Um, you know, close the gap um, in our express lane network. We had to really address kind of last important critical operational improvements in the corridor. So those would be like the two last infrastructure projects in the corridor. The third strategy was to focus on improving transit in the corridor. Um, And then the fourth strategy was really looking at how we can use more innovative operational kind of more advanced technology you know type of approaches you know um how do we leverage technology to improve the efficiency in the corridor and then the fifth strategy is to 
uh, how to prepare the corridor for the future, you know, with the with the you know the the um, the coming of autonomous and connected vehicles, right? Like, how do we prepare the corridor for those new technologies? And then the sixth strategy in there was share was really share mobility hubs, right? So, like, how to really help better provide that first and last mile connectivity to the corridor. And then the last strategy, which is really the linchpin in my mind is really the transportation demand management part of the corridor. I think TDM is is always going to be important. And in my mind, with VMT reduction, TDM is going to be more important in the future, you know, in terms of really incentivizing people to get out of their cars into transit, right? Like, I'm under the opinion, and I mean, there's 90% of the people in Contra Costa County drive cars. And it's going to be very hard to get those people out of their cars, right? Very hard. And we're not trying to get everyone out of their car. We're just trying to get 10% of those people out of their car, right? And so, which is very difficult. So in my mind, you know, I truly believe you're going to have to pay people to get out of their car, you know? Um, and so I, I, in terms of incentivizing people. And so, so we've, you know, developed a, a, a essentially a project for each of those strategies um, in in the corridor, and and we're implementing all those projects. And I would say that some of the biggest successes that we've had to date in the corridor in terms of VMT reduction um, has been our TDM strategies. You know, that's that's really been you know providing uh, better ways to carpool and and do ride matching. Um, providing uh, incentives for taking transit and in and, and, and promoting transit in the corridor. Um, and so I think we have uh, kind of looking towards the future. You mm -hmm. know, I mentioned that the project, the corridor, you know, doesn't have good transit. So, you know, one of the strategies was to uh, add an, an express bus service in the corridor, you know, and so, so when you when you look at the six, you know, the the, the all the projects, right? Um, and maybe just kind of going back to SB743 and kind of the implementation of this, um our northbound express lanes project is a seven-mile gap closure, right? And that gap closure um induces, depending on which alternative you pick, um, induces about 80 to 100,000 VMT per day in the corridor. And so, you know, using Caltrans's approach, we have to mitigate that all the way down to zero, right? And so, so when you look at the rest of the strategies in the corridor, uh, CCTA was the first agency in the state to get an approved VMT mitigation program under SB 743 by Caltrans. And so, so the three strategies that we were able to do that with to reduce, you know, 100,000 VMT to zero was to implement this 680 express bus in the corridor. And then the second one was the share mobility hubs and that first and last mile approach. You know, so that way, you know, most people I think know this, but a lot of your trips are under two miles in most corridors, right? And so by having share mobility hubs and rather than kind of having people go and find these alternative modes, our goal is to bring those alternative modes to your doorstep, right? Through share mobility hubs to make it easier for you to find those alternative modes, right? And whether that be, you know, bike share, car share, you know, whether that be ride, you know, uh, carpooling, you know, ride sharing, 
um, but also shared autonomous vehicles, um, shuttles, transit, all of those things and, and making them connected better through a network of shared mobility hubs, right? And so and so those shared mobility hubs are a big strategy in our VMT mitigation program. And then the third strategy, we were not able to reduce it to a to zero just with those two strategies alone. And so just to get the last, I think it was like the last like three or four thousand VMT per day, we had to triple our investment into our TDM program. And so 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 when you start looking at th this is probably the when you start looking at the financial impacts to projects, right? So the Northbound Express Lanes project is a $350 million uh project, capital project. And so the capital to implement those three strategies was $150 million. And then because this is an environmental mitigation, right? We had to we had to fund operations out to 20 years because that was the life cycle of the project. Um, Caltrans actually wanted us to um, mitigate through in perpetuity, but CCTA, we did not want to agree to that because we have no idea what the corridor and what transportation is gonna look like 20 years from now. So because we were we did not want to agree funding the mitigation through in perpetuity, Caltrans is, is requiring us to do a statement of overriding considerations um, because oh. of that on because of because we're not we were not willing to commit to uh into in perpetuity on the operations piece. So we are funding 20 years of operations, 10 million dollars a year for operations. That's 200 million dollars. So we are when you look at our funding plan, you've got 350 million in capital, but in the environmental mitigation line item, it's it's 350 million dollars right for environmental mitigation 150 for capital 200 for environmental and so that's a huge lift i mean you know there's very limited funding there's very limited operational funding and i think some of the biggest challenges to implementing sb743 is funding um, yeah, and you bring up a really good point because you know as megan and i work on the development side uh, we're working for agencies and these smaller development projects whether it's you know it, may, it might be a very large warehouse it might be a 35 unit infill project that now triggers VMT and we have to figure out a way to mitigate it. Um, just listening to you talk about CCTAs, right? The difference in a transportation authority that can actually implement multimodal and implement things that actually make a difference. Agencies, small cities don't have that ability. And it's, it's been so important to have those robust TDM programs that then the agencies can rely on and use because otherwise it is a completely worthless um, piece of legislation without funding. Yeah. Um, and Megan, yeah. I don't know if you want to speak to some of the challenges or, or maybe that the importance of having transportation uh, authorities that are implementing these area-wide because VMT doesn't just occur while it does occur within that two miles. There is no way that the city of Santa Ana or right the city of L even a sprawling city like LA cannot necessarily make a huge difference on its own. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's true. And, and and the other challenging thing has been, um, like you say, Tim, quantifying that mitigation. Like you're not willing to mitigate something in perpetuity, and so therefore your impact remains significant and unavoidable. And we had a very similar situation um, in the city of San Diego where we had a small development project 
with a actually a very small impact of EMT, we really didn't have to mitigate very much. And so the city had adopted um, their mobility choices program, which was sort of intended to be a mitigation program that developers could pay a fee into this program in order to offset some of their VMT. Um, but the issue there was that their own EIR had stated that VMT was still a significant and unavoidable impact because they couldn't actually prove the reductions in VMT due to these measures um, you know, that they were hoping to achieve. It's like, okay, we're going to, they, the VAR the said they're going to focus funding in areas that, um, you know, where there's a lot of transit, there's a lot of different choices, they're going to expand those choices as much as possible. We, we still can't actually prove that they work. So we, we have this you know, this thing we're trying to implement to reduce VMT either, you know, on a region-wide basis or just from an individual project. Um, and yet it's just how do you quantify it really? And I think it comes down to, um, you know, the importance of measuring VMT is, it is important in understanding what, you know, how much greenhouse gas is transportation um, contributing, you know, to the state's emissions. But on the other hand, when we start to get down into how the regulatory environment has been set up in, in order to mitigate it, it's very challenging. And I think that a lot of the um, the programs are disconnected um, and not necessarily being used to the full um, to the full potential that they could be. I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, maybe some of the mitigation that you're having to do could, if it was set up, you know, in a program that was compliant with the Mitigation Fee Act, you could be getting developer money to be paying into some of that. But but it, it's a lot of time and effort and, um, you know, money, to be frank, that it takes to set those programs up and make them legally defensible. So it's it's a lot of bureaucracy to try to achieve, uh, you know, a laudable goal. <laughs> yeah, I think, Megan, you, you bring up two really good points. One is, is, is when it when it comes down to a lot of these VMT mitigation strategies, um, it's very hard to quantify, for example, VMT reduction for shared mobility hubs because, from a traffic modeling perspective, you, it's hard, you can't measure walking. It's hard to measure biking. It's hard. It's hard to measure, you know, shared autonomous vehicles and shuttles and all these different things. And so, so we we had to develop an approach and working with Caltrans on the methodology to get buy-in on how to quantify VMT, right? And so, and and then on the on the other side of this, on I know we talked about Innovate 680, but because of SB 743, we're actually developing a countywide VMT mitigation program. And so, and similar to what you just said, Megan, about development, right? And so, um, and we're been assessing, you know, how we're going to implement you know, this, this VMT mitigation program, again, to make it defensible, like you're saying, and make it to where it's in accordance with the Mitigation Fee Act. Um, and the real, again, the biggest issue around that is quantify, quantifying the VMT mitigation strategies, you know, because what we're, because what we found is we went through basically a cost benefit or cost versus VMT reduction kind of uh, process where, because immediately our, our initial thought was, because we've analyzed a lot of things, like we've analyzed housing, we've analyzed uh, bike and ped projects. And what we found was that, especially in the Bay Area, housing was very expensive. So from a cost to VMT reduction, it was very expensive. It didn't pencil out. Also, bike and ped projects. We actually thought about just taking our entire, you know, bike and ped plan 
and making that essentially like a VMT exchange program where, you know, developers would pay into VMT fees and then we would fund these, these bicycle projects. The issue is the bicycle projects, because they're infrastructure based, they're, they're expensive to build. And because bicyclists is a, is a low percentage of travelers, we weren't getting the VMT reduction needed to. So again, cost of VMT reduction, it was just from a cost benefit standpoint, it didn't rise to the top. What rose to the top was TDM. Mm -hmm. TDM was the most cost-effective way to reduce VMT. And also, um, obviously, transit was obviously a very cost-effective way, you know. And so, um, again, and again, in Contra Costa County, you know, getting people into transit is very difficult. You know, um, we're primarily a suburban county. And so it, it really, when you start thinking about it, it really relies on TDM. And so our TDM strategy in the future is to rely on a mobility as a service platform. So as part of Innovate 680, we are building a mobility as a service platform, which is like a Google app on steroids, but mm -hmm. it integrates and connects you with all of those mobility services. So all the services that, that I mentioned in Innovate 680, it's connecting you to all of that in one place. So we have Uber, we have Lyft, we have bike share, car share, um, carpooling, um, parking, um, electric vehicle charging, all those things are literally embedded into one mobile application. It's literally your one-stop shop of transportation in, in Contra Costa County. And so we are, we're finalizing the deployment of that. We're getting ready to deploy the project in spring of next year. Um, it was funded by FHWA, Federal Highways Administration, through a uh, an ATC MTD grant. And I think that's advanced transportation or no, advanced technologies, congestion, no, advanced transportation, congestion management, technology deployment. <laughs> Proving we have too many acronyms in our <laughs> too many acronyms. But like, but but and I want to give Federal Highways credit because I think they're they're sponsoring and funding some really cool programs. And um, and so so yeah, so that that platform is in essence going to be our TDM program where we're going to be able to hopefully, you know, use in so rather. Our 501 program today, our Contra Costa 501 program and our TDM program, it's 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 primarily paper-based at this point. You know, you go on the website, you fill out the form. So we what, what we want to do is make the TDM programs more accessible, make them bring and make them more robust and come up with more strategies. The other thing that in our TDM program that I see is making it more data-driven because of the quantification issues. You know, so like for example, you know, in our current Contra Costa 501 program, we hand out 2,500 transit passes. Oh, that that's fantastic. But what actually happens with those 2,500 transit? Are people using them? Are they actually reducing VMT? And the reason why that's important is because if you're going to do a VMT mitigation program, you have to be able to quantify the VMT reduction right. that those 2,500 transit passes actually produced. If you're going to, to be able to qualify under this mitigation fee act and all this other stuff. And so, um, so anyways, it's this, this concept of mitigating for development and cost um, and tying this all together. It's extremely complicated what we're finding, you know, through the development of our feasibility study. And, and we hired, in my mind, we've hired, we had a lot of, a lot of great consultants, um, you know, Fair and Peers, uh, Best Best and Krieger, you know, they were part of this development of this DMT mitigation program. 
And right, we're in the middle of actually looking to implement and build the actual legal framework and build the program in Contra Costa County. Go ahead, Megan. Yeah, Sorry, I was just going to say it'll be really interesting to see the, um, you know, the, the quantification studies. I know um, other agencies are in the you know middle of doing that as well. And it's a little frustrating because right now what we have is, you know, the CAPCOA report, which kind of here's here's how you can quantify the greenhouse gas reduction of various things. And um, under TDM, the, the big source of data is still the Genentech TDM program from South San Francisco, which is it's very specific and it's a you know it's one employer's TDM program in a in an area that has a lot of transit and you know here we are trying to apply this the calculation in somewhere like Hesperia you know it just, yeah, just yeah. does is does not um it's not anywhere near the same thing and we go through all these you know uh, calculations to try to prove up that um it, it can work and what the reduction in effectiveness is and things like that but it it, it will be great to have a lot more data on that as time moves on. Yeah, my, I actually, my last question for you both is, as we've been talking about SB 743 and its implementation, and if you could look ahead in 10 or 20 years, I'll let you finish this sentence for me, and Tim, maybe I'll start with you, is like, wouldn't it be cool if? Well, I, I think I think it'd be really cool if we can figure out a way for people to work from home, because <laughs> I think I, I think incentivizing that to the extent possible is a huge VMT mitigation strategy. I mean, you know, if there was some way that we could incentivize businesses to, you know, it really, really allow people to work from home and, and really understand that balance and that schedule. You know, I know that here in the Bay Area, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, our MPO, you know, early on during the pandemic, they were looking at potential types of strategies to you know, require businesses to have people work from home two days a week or something like that, you know? And so um, I think that's, that would be great. And I think that, I think the other thing that would be really, really cool in my mind um, is to really see how technology um, will help embrace and help with this mode shift. You know, I mentioned a lot of things about, you know, first and last mile and shared autonomous vehicles and those types of things. Um, those types of strategies, I think, are going to be a huge game changer in transit. You know, I think, I think if I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast episode about the transit fiscal cliff that is in California right now. Um, but I think by leveraging, you know, first and last mile and TDM approaches, I think could really help incentivize and, and boost transit ridership to be able to achieve mode shift and our and our greenhouse gas you know goals. That's awesome. Thank you, Tim. So, Megan, what about you? Wouldn't it be cool if... I, I think I have a less visionary answer. I think, wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if we can we can make the the metric that we're using for impact something that has more buy-in from the general public. Because I I think that was the good thing about level of service is that people could understand it. You know, that why well, wait for so long to turn left at that signal and now you're going to put it into a left turn lane and they're happy. And right now I think we have a, a threshold that is, um, you know, like I say, it, it contributes to the laudable goal of, you know, reducing greenhouse gases, reducing pollution. But on the other hand, nobody really understands it. And I don't think there's wide buy-in and people feel like it's a, um, it's just a social engineering tool. So I think, wouldn't it be cool if we could come up with something that the general public buys into that's implementable that <laughs> we can actually um, put into place in our day-to-day -day work? 
Yeah, I, I actually, Megan, I couldn't agree. It was a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but like, but I think, I think honestly, if the public generally knew what was going on with, with some of the state policy that's going on right now, I, I think, I think they would flip out quite frankly, you know, I think they would flip out. That's another podcast. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Well, Tim, you have Megan's information for your next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you both so much for joining us today. We really uh, appreciate having you on our podcast and um, having you be affiliated with our organization. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to be updated when new episodes are released and leave us a review to let us know what you think. It also really helps us to share the podcast with others who may enjoy learning about the environmental industry. If you want to submit a shout out or any feedback, please send an email or voice memo to podcast at califaep.org. The email again is podcast with an S, podcast at califaep.org.